Welcome to Take Heart, where our goal is to give you hope, offer insight and encouragement so you can flourish in your journey as a special needs mom. Each week, Sarah, Amy, and Carrie will explore a theme, share inspiring stories and practical tips, encouragement for you to use every day. Thank you so much for being here today. This is the last Tuesday in March, and there's still time for you to join us for our self-care challenge for the special needs mom. All you need to do is snap a photo that shows a way that you are caring for yourself, whether it's for your mind, body, or soul. Label it with the hashtag TakeHeartSelfCare and tag us at TakeHeartSpecialMoms. Let's start a movement of self-care for the special needs mom. So last week in our collaborative episode, we talked about the spiritual aspect of self-care. In this month, since we have five Tuesdays in March, we are doing two collaborative episodes of the three of us all together. We talked about how God teaches us about Sabbath and specifically about rest. He was an example of this when he took the day of rest on the seventh day after he created the earth. We also discussed how Jesus taught us about rest when he took time away from his ministry to pray, spend time with the Father, and rest. This week, we want to discuss the practical side of self-care and rest. As I was doing some research for the podcast for this month, I came across an idea that I had not heard before. Now, maybe you've heard about this first idea, but there's been some research done on how mothers of children with special needs are experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, this mom, Megan Cheney, She wrote an article about her thoughts on PTSD, and this is what she said. She said, please stop calling it post-traumatic stress because there's nothing post about it. She believes it is better labeled as chronic traumatic stress. She went on to say that it is a chronic condition. It's continuous that we are ever dealing with the chronic stress of caring for our children and some of the trauma that goes with it. I'll leave a link to that article in the show notes. But her ideas really struck me, and it got me to thinking that I think we can all agree that our stress is current, and the trauma that we've experienced from different aspects of caring for children does not go away. There's the reality that some of us will be caregivers for the extent of our child's life on earth. They may never grow up and be independent. For some of us, our kids will grow up and be independent, but we will never stop feeling the need to care for them in some way, as I think all moms do for their adult children. So Amy, what do we do about this? What would you want other special needs moms to know about this chronic stress and the importance of self-care? Well, first of all, I love that term because it is true. It's chronic. It doesn't, you're right. You don't get past it. It's chronic. And so knowing that going in, I think is the first step. Because I think we have this idea that, okay, just when this situation gets better, then I'm going to take care of myself. Or when I get this traumatic thing or this hospitalization or this outburst dealt with, then I'll take care of myself. But if we know that it's always going to be there, we don't want to wait. Since it's not going to end, we need to advocate for ourselves and take care of ourselves. I would want moms to know that just like I I said this in my podcast, just like there's an IEP at school, when you go to school and your child can't, is nonverbal, 
They don't just expect him to be verbal, right? They don't say, well, forget it. He's not verbal. We can't help him. You advocate for your child so they can adapt to meet his needs. That's how we have to look at self-care. It is. It would be so easy to look at the person down the street or your friend without special needs kids and go, well, it must be nice. She gets to do this, 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 and this. That's not our life. So we can't wait for that life to happen. So I would want moms, and this is what I would tell my young, totally overstressed Amy Brown self, <laughs> you have to adapt to your life and not wait for it to get better. It may get better. It may not. But there's no... You're gaining nothing by waiting, right? You're only hurting yourself. So that would be the main yeah. thing I would say. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? I think I would want her to know that it's okay to want a break. Um, yeah. So, you know, speaking to those who have medically fragile or even... Um, terminal children. Like for me, one of the things that is the hardest thing that my husband and I had to get over was planning our retirement. And we put it off for a long time because we knew what we were planning for didn't include our son. And so that was really difficult. And then there's times where I'm like, gosh, I just wish I didn't have to go through the 30 minute routine at dinner or, you know, the 30 minute routine at bedtime or whatever because we have to stretch we have to do this we have to do that you know it just and it's okay to want that because immediately that follows that wanting a break it's almost like you have to say oh wait a minute god i didn't really mean that because a, you know what a break really means yes. is that they're not in your life and so right but it's okay to want a break and i don't think that you need to put that caveat to god all the time he gets it he's not going to be like you want a break? All right. You know, like, well, that's what she said. So, you know, it's, it's okay to feel what you're feeling. Um, and it's like Amy said, this is our reality. And the sooner that you lean into that, I, my reality is not going to change at all ever. And somebody had told me one time that thinking negatively, you know, well, if you think about your child's diagnosis every day, that's just a negative way to live. And I thought, how do you not think about your child's diagnosis? You you obviously don't have a special needs child, <laughs> A. And B, it's not negative. It's reality. This is my reality. Um, and just because I acknowledge my reality doesn't mean that I choose to stay. I'm not camping out in the negative parts of it. It's just I'm acknowledging it and I'm adapting. And you can't adapt to it if you don't acknowledge it. And so that's what I would I would tell her is it's okay to want a break. And it's okay to lean into the sad parts of it. Just don't yeah. camp out there. <laughs> right. And it's funny, Sarah, because I have struggled with that, you know, and even just you saying that has encouraged me today that that's okay because I have done that caveat. Well, no, 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 please, Lord, like, don't take him because I I don't really want that, but it it's okay. We're human. And I think it's normal for us to want that type of rest and a break. And one of the things that I would tell our listeners out there is don't just survive your journey. You can thrive. And I have had to learn this the hard way. There are times, especially during our, we have chronic hospital stays and that I will just, I will let my body and my eating habits just, you know, go to the trash can. Like, I don't know what the phrase is, but I'll eat all the sweets. I'll, 
And to an extent, I think that's a little bit okay because you're just, you're trying to survive in those moments. But when you're there for weeks and months on end, you've got to pick up and we've got to keep going and and exercise or take the breaks from the hospital if you have a good support person to help you. I have a friend that I know that I volunteer with at our local children's hospital and sometimes I see her journey through social media and, and she'll post doing workouts on the hospital floor next to her son. And I think, <laughs> I cannot believe that she does that. And But it's such an encouragement to me because it has taught me that I don't have to wait for life to be calm to take right. care of myself. You can do it now. You don't have to wait for life to be calm to do self-care. It's The time is now. The time for eating well and doing a five-minute stretch or a 10-minute exercise or a five-minute walk outside the hospital for for five minutes. A nurse can come sit in your room for five minutes to give you that break. Um, and I think that that's just really, really important. So, um, so Amy or Sarah, I'll let you guys pick who would like to take this question first is, what has been your number one practice of self-care? I guess, what is your favorite thing to do for self-care? Let's get practical here. I think for me, the number one thing that I do is I schedule it. And I haven't done that for a long time. And I've just recently started doing it again. And I schedule it like I would a doctor's appointment. I schedule it like something else. And what it does is it helps me. <laughs> so to get really practical and to nerd out on you is the last day the last working day of every month, I set and I look and I map out all my client work, my projects and all of that. And that helps me not take on a new project or a new client. If I don't have the time to take them on, I can see it there on the calendar. So what I've started doing is I schedule that a month out. And it's just I, I give myself an hour every day. And if something pops up or I have to go get my child or something, that gets moved. I move it to a different time. And like I'd said in the last podcast is it's not always going to be easy. It's not going to be something that you want to do. Um, you might just want to veg out in front of the TV and watch Netflix at eight o'clock at night, but something happened and you know that you're going to be better off for doing that self-care. So I've been scheduling it. Um, that's been my big practice. And I think that that's been a game changer for me. Yeah, that's really good. I I talk about the five P's of self-care in mine, and that's the one thing is plan it and then protect it. Like, don't let other things interfere with it. How about you, Amy? Well, I'm going to use the P, protect. I am a big introvert. I have six children, so God is laughing uproariously that he gives me a really loud house. Um, most of them are grown now, but I have consistently, I mean, I've always been an exerciser. I've always, I've consistently though, I spend at least 15, even if it's only 15 minutes with a cup of tea and my journal in complete quiet every single day. It's longer than that now that my kids are older, but I have done it in a stairwell of a hotel <laughs> or a hospital. I have done it. I don't care where we are. I need that 15 minutes or more. I would love more of quiet. And I know I'm wired that way. And I used to feel bad about that because um, I thought, well, why can't I just get right up and be in the thick of it all with everybody? But I am not. I am such an introvert. I love quiet. I also can't stay up late. That's another thing. I know that about myself. Um, I wish I was the fun party mom that could stay up late. 
I just can't. So I think for me, knowing that about my personality and not um, protecting that time and also um, not guilting myself about it, right? Because I'm a much better mom when I do that. But that's important. But I'm a much better me for me, for Amy. I'm less critical of myself. I'm. It's just like a centering practice for me. And sometimes I read my Bible. Sometimes I journal. Sometimes I sit in quiet. But I always have a really good cup of strong English breakfast tea. And I just have to be alone. And I I, I kind of get kind of anxious if I oversleep and I know somebody's going to get up. <laughs> like, you know, you're like, oh, don't come. But my kids know, you know, this is just my time. And um, so that has been a sustaining practice for me um, over for years and years and years. And like I said, I've, I've done it all kinds of places. I even will kind of map it out. Like if we're at a hotel, I'll map out like, okay, where can I go where the TV's not going to be on? Because, well, everyone has the TV on at a hotel. Where can I go to have quiet for this? It just has to be quiet. Um, so that's one thing that I have, I have done for years and years and it just centers me. And I can attest to this because Amy and I were (laughs) hotel roommates this last year, um, when things kind of opened up and, and so she wouldn't wake me. She would go out in the hallway to do this and, I, I think now I want to be like Amy when I grow up. It's a good, it's such a good practice. Um, and I, I think for me, um, the number one practice that I have been learning lately is just that pay attention to your body and the things that are stressing you out. Um, I'm still not real great with planning the self-care But if I've had a hard day or I've been processing something difficult, especially if I've had a hard day with grief, I had one last week. Um, We went into a regular doctor's appointment with our son's orthopedic surgeon, and there was a curveball that came out of left field, and our son needs a major back surgery, and I just wasn't expecting it. And first of all, I went through all the emotions of just even being angry at myself because I had let my guard down and... Then the grief came and dealing with that and realizing it's okay to let your guard down. But I took a 20 to 30 minute um, bath that night. I just, it's not something I do all the time, but I knew I needed it because I was paying attention to just the way that I felt that day and the tears that had been spent and even just drinking more water on those days. I've learned to do that to drink more water on the days that I have had days of grief and how um, important that is. And too, Carrie, I think it's good that you didn't power through it because that's typically what I would, I think all of us would tend to do like, okay, he's got to go have surgery. I'm going to get all this stuff done. You didn't power through it. You allowed yourself to um, have that moment. And I think, I think that's important for our listeners to know that's okay to do that. That powering through it only yeah. hurts us in the end, actually. But you have to recognize it first. Because sometimes right. it doesn't look like you think it's going to look like. You might just be crabby or your neck may be tight or, you know, there may be, it may not look like you think it's going to look. Right. And so I think paying attention is so right. important. Yeah. And I had a friend remind me last week, too, that grief comes in the form of anger mm-hmm. and weariness and frustration. It's not just always sadness. And so you're right. And the old me, and I think all of us can speak to this, the younger me would just try to power through it. And I, I'm i aging, so you can't as well. That's part of it. 
but also just right. being more aware, I think, for all of us. Um, so how about this? Um, what advice would you give to other special needs mom about self-care in the beginning of their journey? Maybe their child's just been diagnosed or um, they're starting to become aware of behavioral issues and maybe they don't have a formal diagnosis, but do either of you want to tackle that? Just let's talk about just the different stages of parenting with special needs children. Well, uh, I would say for us, it, we didn't have like, and we've talked about this before, like, oh, here's your diagnosis, right? We had this meandering path to get to it. So when you have kids with behavioral issues and invisible disabilities, you're trying to figure it out. And there's no like straight up, oh, it might be this. You get a lot of different um, opinions and so much of the of the um, limiting factor in parenting them is behavior-based. So you have a lot of guilt and shame and people looking down their nose at you thinking you're not a good mom because you can't control your child in the grocery. Um, all those things. So I think... For me, and I've said this before, I just tried harder and harder and harder. Um, I would I would say, like I said earlier, this is a long, long journey. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So I wish that I would have, at the very beginning, just been able to whisper to myself, just calm down, right? It's going to play out. You're going to get the information you need, hopefully, when you need it. And you need to take this one day at a time and work in yeah. that I guess you feel you're so frantic to figure out what's going on that you're just like running like right. a little energizer bunny. But that's not typically how it plays out probably with any of the diagnosis, actually, not just behavioral and visible disability. But it's a it's a long haul. So breathe and take a minute and then just do the next thing. And that's probably the advice I would give. I know that's hard in the moment when you get that diagnosis, but that's the advice I would definitely give. And I think for me, early on in our journey, since Toby's diagnosis was from birth, and I had three children, three and under, self-care was making sure that my kids had a nap time and a rest time every day. And I know that sounds extremely practical, and sometimes that's not practical. I know, you know, kids with autism don't sleep very well and things like that, but I was grateful that we had spent so much time in the hospital that they had Toby on a fairly decent routine by the time he came home at three months. And so just fight that urge. I would encourage our listeners to fight that urge when your kids are resting or sleeping or setting up, you know, a quiet time for them to just clean the house and do all the things. Take some time to sit and rest and whether it's quiet or reflection or one of my self-care practices is just reading a book. I love to read fiction stories and to have just, you know, soothing stories, encouragement. I learned so much through reading, you know, historical biographies about, you know, Corrie ten Boom and other people who have overcome hard things in their life. But even just one of my favorite book series is At Home in Mitford by Jan Karen. It's a long series. It's just very kind of story-based and there's not a lot of action and things like that, but it's just very soothing to me. And actually the main character has amazing wisdom um, that she has, the author has shared amazing wisdom through her books that I've even used it in some of my speaking 
when she talks about different struggles that the character goes through, like grief and dealing with a chronic illness and things like that. And it sounds silly, but um, just reading things like that, but taking that time to protect your your nap time or your rest time with your kids and not doing all the all the things. So um, how about you, Sarah, just with what advice would you give for um, well, if you have anything to share for the beginning of the journey, but how about just the that middle age and the teen the teen years since I know your son is a teenager? Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Um, just survive the teen years. That would be my advice. Um, I think it goes for any stage, but I have to adapt. And I, I think this goes for anybody, not just special needs moms, but especially special needs moms. Is Right when we got the diagnosis for TJ, I was working full time. I had a career. I, you know, I, I took breaks on lunch and went and worked out or I would go and take a walk and, you know, this kind of thing. And I ended up coming home and not working full time. I left my career and, and that's okay. And I, and I was very grateful that I was able to do that. But I had to grieve that I couldn't go to my class at lunch every day. <laughs> like, it, and it sounds so trivial, but I think that just it's okay to grieve the changes that are going to happen and that includes the changes that are going to happen to you you might not be able to sit down at a certain time and read a book but you might have to adapt to it and it's okay to grieve that it's okay to say well that's not fair but just i would just i would suggest that you just push through that level to just find okay what can i adapt to not give up and not just say well it's not in the cards for me anymore. Um, it's okay to grieve it. It's okay. But to just move on and to say, what can I do now? You know, for me personally, not only with TJ, I have some health issues that I've been battling for a few years. And it's just, for me, my self-care has completely changed. And now it is a nap. And I would have never thought three years ago that I could, I would take a nap in the middle of the day, but sometimes that's what my body needs. And that's okay. And so I think, as time goes on, as the diagnosis changes, or maybe it doesn't change, but your circumstances do, just to flow with mm-hmm. it, just to try to adapt to it. And to ver- be very, like Amy, you said, protect that time. And instead, it's like, well, I can't fit yoga in at this time. No, but when mm-hmm. can you? Or what can you fit in at this time? So that would be my main advice is to go with the flow, especially teenagers. Um. Amy, what advice would you give to those moms who are raising children with invisible disabilities and behavioral disabilities about their journey with self-care? Well, I'm going to say something that's probably not going to be popular, but that is ask for help. Mm -hmm. I think when you have a child with behavioral issues, I know for us specifically with kids with reactive attachment disorder, their behavior is so out of control for me, but not for other people. But I often wouldn't ask my friends to take my daughter out for a couple hours because I thought she was going to be out of control. She never really was. You know, there's that honeymoon phase and and her behavior was really directed towards me. But I would also say in asking for help, think outside the box of asking for help. Um, you don't have to be at all the things. Um, I have six kids. My range is, you know, 15 years or 13 years. So when our daughter needed to go to speech therapy, 
my 17-year-old teenage son took her. And like, they they give you a sheet at the end, right? That tells you what to work on. I didn't have to be there for that. And if I didn't have so many kids, maybe I would have been there for that. But her behavior, I needed a break from laying eyes on her. (laughs) I don't mean that to sound mean, but I needed a break from her. And actually, if I was there, she would act out. So, and I had in a situation where somebody kind of made a comment about me not being at the therapy. And I remember having my feelings hurt a little bit like, okay, you guys don't know my life. (laughs) But but I had somebody that could stand in for me and I didn't need to be at all the things. Um, So I would say definitely that and asking for help. Um, Most of the time, kids with behavioral issues are okay with other people. And it was my own fear that she would misbehave for somebody else that would stop me from that. Um, And I would also add that when you have kids with behavioral issues, I don't, I don't have like a great, like golden nugget of advice for this. It's been a lifelong uh, thing I've learned. You kind of got to put your blinders on about what people think and say, and you just have to swim in your lane and say, I'm doing the best I can. And nobody knows the situation as well as I do. And I kind of had to like let things roll off my back that people said, because there's a lot of um, judgment when it comes to this kind of, and I have a child, I have a child with a physical disability, so I can compare the two. (laughs) He has a lot more grace. He gets a lot more grace than my daughter did. Um, So, and he has behavioral issues too, but, so I would say that, and I wish I would have asked for help. And one, actually one of my dearest friends said to me a while back, she goes, I didn't know how to help you because you wouldn't tell me. Like, they're not going to know how to help us unless we tell them. And she said it was so, it was interesting to hear her perspective. She goes, it was so hard to watch you struggle. And I just wanted to give you a hand, but you wouldn't tell me how. And whenever I would ask you, can I help? You'd be like, no, I got it. And why did I say, now that I'm looking back, I'm thinking, (laughs) why did I say that? I had people asking to help me. And I just kind of got my own little shame box of thinking, oh, she's going to be terrible. They're going to think I'm a bad parent if they see how she acts. I wish that I would have given myself the grace to accept help. So, yeah. Amy, you were talking about, like, you were keeping those out that might judge mm-hmm. you. You were actually keeping out the ones that wanted right. to help. which is crazy. As well. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's so true. Well, I think it's time to wrap up our episode for today. This has been such a great conversation. And... There is actually, so I came across this resource and it's by a woman named Colleen Kessler um, at her website, Raising Lifelong Learners. And I'll put the link in the show notes, but she has a list of calming activities to help with intensity. And this is actually directed towards kids that who are gifted and um, maybe need some like quiet time. And what's interesting about this list is this is all things that we should be doing for for self-care it has like sleep quiet time um water play how about taking a bath right has creativity and imagination um you know sensory play exercise and motion reading humor sometimes just pulling up a good youtube video or a fun you know comedian to watch is just such a restorative activity and um, then break time, timeouts. And so I, 
I'm going to put a link in the show notes because I found this and I know it's directed towards kids, but you know, I really enjoy, um, just painting. You can find people who, you know, have little step-by-step canvas painting things online. And, and so even during the shutdown with my daughter, we would go through the drive-thru at Michael's and get our canvas and our paint. And then we would watch videos and do these painting exercises. And I just thought that it was just such a restful type of just self-care and also time that I got to spend with my daughter. So I don't know if you guys have any other just little practical things like that or I would just I just anyway I would remind ahead, them that I I would just remind the listeners that another way to look at self-care is you're setting an example for your children you're telling them that as individuals as God's creation we're worth rest. We're worth spending some time on ourselves. And it might not be a direct lesson for them, but eventually they're going to remember. I was like my oldest son, who is a typical, not special needs. I want him to know that his wife might need a break every once in a while, you know, and yeah, and he he's going to learn that by watching. Yeah, I remember my mom taking breaks instead of, yeah, my mom, no, she was always busy. She never, ever took breaks. And, you know, she was just crazy all the time. That's what I want out of it. So your self-care will actually strengthen their self-care eventually. And yeah, I was also going to say, go ahead, Amy, as we talk about the concept of how we mother our children, we need to mother ourselves. We are God's children and he looks over us with delight. And so we know how we feel when we see our kids well rested or enjoying something they really love that is that that brings such joy to my heart as a mom and if we can think if the listener can think of herself as that's how god looks at us when he when we are enjoying what he has given us and how we're our natural bent and the things that fill our cups he made us this way and we are his children and i think that's something that's easy to forget when you're a mom um yeah That's great, Amy. So on that note, would you pray for our listeners to remember these things? And we'll close. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you love us and that you lead us beside still waters and that you want us to rest. I pray for our listeners today that they would be able to find moments of joy and rest in their day, that you would show them areas that they can take care of themselves, find delight and joy, and Sabbath in their days. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and always showing us that you care for us and that your mercies are new every morning. Amen. joining us this week on Take Heart. Don't forget, we have the self-care Instagram challenge going on and Amy's wonderful resource, Seven Steps to Help You Breathe. There is a link for that in our show notes. As always, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Take Heart Special Moms. Please listen in next Tuesday as in April, we are starting our new topic for the month, which is dealing with grief as a special needs mom.